Welcome back to Baker Hills podcast, Learning Made Easy. Today, we've got Brian Peckinpah and David Catalano again, and discussing really a, a fun topic. How do you stand out? And I'll just call out the elephant in the room. Every bank offers the exact same products, right? Everybody has online banking. They have a mobile app. They've got checking, savings. They've got mortgages. They offer business accounts. Also, everybody has a bank. Nobody enjoys the process of, of changing banks either. So really, the first question of the day is, how do you, as a community bank, as a credit union, how do you stand out in the marketplace today and compete? So Brian, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, so I'd be curious, David, on your thoughts, but I'm just thinking about this. Very broadly speaking, I think at the end of the day, there's only three ways for a financial institution to truly differentiate and compete. One is on scale, and that's limited to the very few of at the top end, right? I mean, what what a Chase or a Bank of America or a Wells and others like them might be able to provide to their clientele is, is going to, by nature of their size and scale and reach, differentiate from a small credit union in the middle of nowhere. They just won't have the same product sets, right? So there, there's that top end of the market that can differentiate from the more regional community banks based on just overall breadth of offering. When we start thinking about the community banking space, I, I really see it in, in one of two ways. Expertise. So that's maybe I am very focused on something like nursing home lending, as an example. And I can build a view of that business based on my internal expertise that allows me to approach that market differently than others might, and thus the lead competitor for that type of business. And you could apply that to any number of niche businesses across what the banking sector serves. And then the other one is the people. When we think of, especially in the commercial banking space, my my allegiance, my desire to do business is with the RM that I'm working with or the lender that I'm working with, not necessarily the brick and mortar. And, and so how you empower your people to do what they do best on behalf of your bank becomes, again, one of those primary driving factors of differentiation and competition. So what do you think, David, am I, am I missing any or, or are those three good buckets to think about? I think those are ideal buckets to think about, really. The expertise really hits home with me. For 11 years, I ran a niche lending company across the United States. So we had five different niches. One of them, as an example, were dentists. We would lend a dentist across the country and typically term loans or real estate loans. And we were always higher than the local bank, probably 200 basis points higher on every single loan. Why was that? Why, how could we get away with that? Well, the reason was the expertise. And mm -hmm. we just knew the business inside and out. We knew what their overhead levels would be. We knew what their lab expense had to be. And you can have a conversation with them about their business and about, about their global cash flow, which in that particular small business niche includes their lifestyle mm -hmm. and includes their ability to borrow and their ability to sustain their business longer term and how they're going to retire and all that. So you're really becoming at that point an advisor not just someone who gives them the capital that they need. So I agree with you on the expertise side of things. That is just a fabulous approach. It's whenever I look at a lot of bank financials and whenever I look at someone who's got a really large balance sheet of CNI loans and they've got really strong yields relative to their peers, I'm always looking around for a niche. Do these guys <laughs> have a niche. 
I bet you they got a niche. Yeah, what um, did they figure out that nobody else has? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because if you're adding value through advice, and the reason why you can add value through advice is because you've seen a thousand of them. Mm-hmm. If I see a thousand of anything, the next one I see, I'm going to be able to discern its qualities and its weaknesses and potentially what it could do to make things better for itself. So, yeah, I, I do believe what you just said is dead on. You don't need to be the lowest cost of money or any of that. You absolutely can add advice and create tons of value. And, and then the uh, the people, empowering them really empowering them to be an expert, right? But there's a lot of folks inside the bank that are processing the work. Mm-hmm. And how do we help them get their work done faster? We talk to community banks and they enter the same information 10 times to create a commercial loan. Can you imagine that if you're an employee there and you're thinking, why are we doing this? It's got to dawn on them that this doesn't make a lot of sense because there's no value add there when you're doing that, right? There's no value added work for the employee. It's a tedious task. And you're, you're cranking out the same information over and over. How many times do I type Brian Peckinpah to do his commercial loan? Well, you definitely um, don't want to do that one. That's a long last name. It's a <laughs> lot of letters to, to spell it as well until <laughs> I get to the end and then I'll have it nailed. But at the end of the day, you could have a digital workflow where you're entering data once and using it over and over. And then that will allow you to do your work faster, which then translates to what I call a wow experience in particular for commercial customers. Because if you think about the commercial lending process, the borrower doesn't have much to do relative to mm-hmm. the bankers. Yeah, well, so, relative to the overall workload, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, digitizing commercial borrowers' experience, eh, eh, doesn't excite me. You want to you excite me, digitize that commercial bankers, the people that are underwriting and creating loan documents and tracking items and collecting all that information and originating the loan and then on the back end servicing it. So that, that I think is where the lift comes that will differentiate you. Yeah. When you can, when you can take your loan process from 74 days to 32 days and your commercial borrower says, I don't want to close that fast. Now you got something. Yeah. And I probably should have, uh, qualified, right, that we're talking about valuable ways to differentiate, valuable <laughs> ways. to. I can, I can always compete by racing to the bottom, right? I can offer an interest-free CRE loan, and I probably win a lot of business, but I'm going to go out of business pretty quick, too. You know, like you said, David, it's also not just the speed, because I can be fast, right? I can, I can get to yes, I can get to no in 10 days, but was it the right yes? Was it the right no? Uh, that, that factors into it as well. So as you were talking about with the expertise and the niche and the technology, putting those things in place that allow you to do the right things faster certainly can help in winning that business and and competing in the market. Because like I said, it's all about the valuable ways we differentiate, not just differentiation for differentiation's sake. Right, right, right. You're looking for ways to enhance the value of the business while at the same time enhancing the customer's experience. It's a moat. Mm-hmm. You're, you're trying to create a moat around your business, mm-hmm. something that others don't have. And that's going to be really predicated on the culture you build as a leadership team and how you empower employees, how you treat them, because you are <laughs> they're never going to treat the customer any better than you treat them. Just a fact. Absolutely. So you absolutely want to treat them treat them very, very well, because then they'll in turn treat that customer well and give them the tools required to do their business, to do their work efficiently and, and keep them out of that tedious work and into the value-added yeah. work. And your well, and that keeps, keeps those people with you too, right? Builds loyalty. If I show that investment in them by bringing new technology in, 
if I show acknowledgement of the challenges that they face in their day-to-day work, that that builds loyalty from the employee to your financial institution. And again, they're one of the biggest differentiators you have. If I've got Sally, the RM, who's got a book of business that makes up five or 10% of my commercial portfolio because she's my top performer and I'm not listening to the challenges that she's facing. I'm not solving for the challenges she's facing. I'm not making her day-to-day job easier. I'm not taking the friction out of it for her. And she sees a financial institution down the street that has automated lending processes, has digital footprints that can be accessed and used by the borrowers that she sees as creating a more friction-free experience for the lender. If she jumps ship and takes any portion of that business with her, that's a huge hit to the balance sheet. Because like I said, especially in the commercial space, people tend to follow the relationship, not the brick and mortar. They don't care necessarily what FI name is on their business card and what what lapel pin they might be wearing, they care about Sally and they want to do business with Sally because she understands their business. She understands their markets. Like you were saying, David, you can charge higher on a basis point perspective because of the person that is doing the lending, almost acting as a de facto financial advisor. Like, I understand your business. I know you need this loan, but you need these other things too. And if you do these things, you can maximize your operations. Those are the people they want to do business with, and they're going to follow them no matter where they go. Yeah, I would agree with you, because if you think about the RM, they're trying to make their borrower's life easy. And if you're an impediment to that too many times, you're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's no question about that, which then it's their support team that supports them. And it's their support team that has to get their work done to to keep them happy, which keeps that commercial customer happy. So I think you're right there. You start losing people if you don't have that technology in place or that digital experience. Now, you know, we're in 2022 now. So anybody born in 2000 or later really grew up with something in their hand, some type of device in their hand, they know what a good experience is and what a bad experience is. They've gotten new phones and they know what Amazon and Google deliver. I'm not suggesting a community bank has to deliver that level, but you can't expect somebody who's brought up in that environment to then go back and re-enter the same information 10 times to do their work. Right. So you gotta, we know every lending process is eventually going to convert to digital. But the question is, when will you do that? And I would argue the sooner, the better. Mm-hmm. No, David, I think you bring up a really good point there. Just the impact that the Amazons and the Googles have had on every industry and disrupted a lot. And tying it back to Brian, your point on scalability, right? Community banks and credit unions aren't just competing with the big four, especially when it comes to scalability. They're competing with these fintech startups, these online only banks, these that aren't brick and mortar centric, right? So what's the play there? Where do we go when we start thinking about empowering our employees with with the right types of technology to compete, not just with the the bank down the street, but maybe these unknown factors Mm -hmm. that are popping up every day? So any non-bank lender, in my experience, recessions wipe them out because no one's going to fund their loan production. So that kind of clears the deck every time, or at least it historically has. I don't see that ending any anytime soon. So I don't worry too much about them for the community bank who's serving the local developers and the local businesses who are buying and building and investing in real estate and CNI lending at that local community level. I just don't see that 
at being a and there's a certain element that the fintechs focus on. A lot of times they're niche or they're they're willing to take a credit risk that, say, a traditional bank may not want to take. So they're able to charge a rate that's commensurate with their cost of funds. But at the end of the day, the community banks and the credit unions have a cost of funds advantage mm-hmm. that I think it keeps them in a unique spot from a competitive perspective. Now, if we wake up tomorrow and Amazon's a bank, <laughs> but that's never going to happen because that's a whole Amazon's different regulated. world. <laughs> Amazon's never going to fall under the regulation of a bank. If you're a banker and you think there's a technology play out there from a competitor, sign up for their service and see how it is. See how it works. You know, you, you may not be a borrower on the commercial side, so that might be tough for you to do, but you can experience the consumer side of it. Mm-hmm. And then you can talk to your solution providers to see if they have a solution like that and what the cost is and what the ROI would be and how that would impact your brand by adding that type of technology to it. Awesome, Brian. Any final thoughts there? I think maybe one thing to leave everybody with, we talk a lot about forward-thinking technology at times. We get, as David was saying, hung up on the newest, the shiniest especially as we see what some of the true fintech providers are looking to do and where they might focus. I would encourage people to just not forget to get the basics right first. You know, it's easy to jump to the flashy and you got to get a good foundation in place. You've got to have something that you can build on top of and you can grow from. It's hard to go from being completely out of shape, never working a day in your life, eating whatever junk food you might eat and trying to train like you're going to be in the Mr. Olympia next year. You got to work your way there. You got to get a good, solid foundational base in place, right? You got to address your diet. You got to address your behaviors. You got to get the basics right. And then you can start worrying about the fine tuning and and how you do the fun and exciting stuff. So don't forget that because that goes right back to this competition. If you let the others focus on the flashy and the things that may not pan out at the end and you get the basics right, you're going to keep winning the business you want to win and winning it at margins that you can successfully grow with. Awesome. Brian, David, great conversation today. I think a lot of great takeaways as well. So thank you all. And thanks everybody for tuning in to today's episode of Lending Made Easy.